0: Before we start today's show, I just want to give a massive shout out to ACAST for making this show happen.
1: Thanks, ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find
1: someone who will get you.
2: How are you going to know who gets you? If people sing you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else.
1: Conversations that actually help you get to know
2: each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
0: Hi, it's me. <laughs> Hi. And the problem, it's me Um, Welcome to this week's episode, Self Love vs Self Care This week um, on the show, I am joined by the host of the Self Love Club Club podcast, uh, Belle Crawford Belle and I used to work together uh, many years ago at the radio station ZM And uh, we've known each other throughout the years But we hadn't had a good catch up in quite some time So it was really nice to talk to Belle and cover a bunch of topics in this episode, actually. Um, We look at self-love versus self-care. What's the difference? And Belle very kindly and bravely opens up about an eating disorder that she experienced when she was in her late teens um, and talks about how she navigated that in a time which was very different when people weren't so open about mental health. Um, Also, we talk about trusting the process, breakups, identity, anxiety, feeling the pressure from society as a woman and this is quite fun, Uh, we chat knowing how you found the one. So yeah, we go across a lot of topics in this episode, love to know your thoughts on Instagram at the PJ Podcast, but here is my chat with Belle. Belle Crawford, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello Polly, how are you? So good to see you.
0: Val and I go way back to yeah. when we worked on ZM uh, together, little radio buds. But you you're a bit of a a radio old head. Is that the word? Um you've been in it <laughs> for quite some time. When, when yeah. did you start out?
2: I lose like I'm I'm losing track of how long it's been now. I'm not very good at math, <laughs> but um I started full-time when I was 19 and now I'm 34, so it's been a little while, yeah, and I started, I got thrown in the deep end and thrown onto a quite high-performing breakfast show as my first job, as long as doing like a million other things, because you know what it's Mm. like, so I was on breakfast doing a bunch of other things, like, you know, someone loses their job, so you get their job too, (laughs) Um, but that was really cool, and it was really exciting, I loved being on air, and yeah, so that's kind of how I started anyway.
0: Yeah, and what was the landscape like then in radio? I feel like it's changed so much.
2: Oh, yeah, so this was 2000, and I think I was a couple of years above you at broadcasting school. Yeah. You weren't there when I was there, but I think you were the year uh, Yeah. anyway. So the landscape, what was it like? Um, social media was still fairly new. I swear I'm not old, guys. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Facebook was the, was the big thing. Bebo was still around yeah. but kind of dying. Um, there was no Instagram yet. This is probably 2008, 2007.
0: That was when I finished school. I was like in my final years of high school. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I went to broadcasting school straight out of school when I was a little baby. And, yeah, it was, you know, Facebook was the thing. And then quickly, as I was only a few years in, Instagram came about, digital, social media and stuff, which really did change the game because, you know, Before that, you didn't really know what people on the radio looked like. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're making a radio show, but then you're needing to think about the digital content and uh, making videos and and that stuff. But I loved it. Like, I remember setting up our Facebook page and creating all this digital content, you know, for these older guys that I was working with. And it was really fun. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say, like, in terms of the gender uh, domination back then, like, it was very heavily male-dominated,
2: Yeah, so I went on the show and they're still there now with two guys and I was the token girl that would do, like, the entertainment. I'd do the news, you know, just tell girly stories and things. So it was still kind of that era, but it was really cool because they sort of let me be part of their quite good show and, and chat a lot more and that was really cool. Like, you know, actually being part of a show and working with other people was really exciting, yeah. That was, like, that's quite a
0: lot when you were 19 and you're going on like <laughs> yeah older show, I guess. Um, Did that make you grow up quite quick?
2: I think so. Yeah, I was definitely, I'm so glad that it wasn't network level because it would have been so embarrassing. I was so (laughs) scatty and messy and would make so many mistakes. And sometimes I accidentally swear and yeah, it was just a mess, but they were really kind and sort of helped me grow. And yeah, it was just one of those things that it just, yeah, I did have to grow up a little bit because I had to sort of think about what I was doing in public a little bit because it was Obviously not, like, big time or whatever, but in that town, like, everyone would know who you were, um, so you had to behave yourself, which, as a 19-year-old going to town, wasn't really always, you know, on your bra- on your mind, and, yeah, it was pretty tough. Can
0: we, can we go into what town it was?
2: Yeah, no, fine. It was um in Manawatu, so Palmy. Oh. And so the show I I didn't know you were in Palmy. Yeah. So I, when I left, I had different options to go to Auckland, other places. And I remember people sort of turning their nose up being like, why are you going to Palmy? That's so crap. But it was, if you look at it, it was actually quite smart because I got to go on breakfast. I got to learn a lot of other things. And I think that did me better than say, going to Auckland, doing promos, which is, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but I just got to learn so much more and yeah, that time really set me up. But, yeah, so that was where I was. And at that station was massive historically. So everyone knew the station. Everyone listened. Um, so, yeah, you had to – remember having to behave myself at a few bars when I I was not – I was not behaving myself. I was such a little party You're not me to,
0: You're 19. I know. I, I, I like what you said before when you're like, you made mistakes. Like, I think it's so important to have that ground where you can yeah. just fail and make mistakes. Like, you're literally learning – and I think the fact that, yeah, you were in a town which kind of, like, was probably more welcoming of that where you can just completely, I don't know, stuff up a long way. I think that's really important for growth. And, mm. like, we all have to do that. We all have to make mistakes. And it's so cringe and uncomfortable at the time. But you look back and you go, oh, actually, that was really good for me.
2: Yeah, it was the best thing. I learned so much. Um and my four years there, which is pretty crazy, but yeah, I got to do a lot of things. I got to do my own show as well as so it was just a good starting, st- I guess, for me.
0: Fast forward a few years because you yeah. ended up in
2: ZM again. What year did you start back? Oh, 2016, I think. So yeah, I, I progressed up, did other shows, yeah. and I was re- it was so cool. I remember. I actually applied, there was a ZDM day show that came up, and I had done a brief stint in Melbourne, came back, and this job came up, and I was so excited, because working network was always my dream, and especially working on, like, a hit music station is always where I wanted to end up, plus, I, you know, I was young, and I was yeah working on these stations that were still fine, but, like, you know, it was my dream, and I wanted to get there, so the job came up, and I actually didn't get it, but then they didn't hire anyone for it, it was a bit confusing, and so I was like, oh, well, like, you know, pick yourself back up, and then... I started doing weekends basically immediately after that happened and then within three months they asked me to do the day show full time, which I was like, whoa, that's so cool. So I actually did get the job. It just like was a few months later kind of thing. So, I, yeah, it was so incredible and I was so stoked and so happy.
0: Yeah, It's interesting how sometimes a no kind of leads you there anyway and then you kind of just take a longer a route, you know, and maybe along the way that is where you kind of, Picking up things that you need to learn or whatever. How do you go with that initial rejection when, when you get told that you're not good enough for something? Like, mm. do you how, how do you react in those situations?
2: I think I handled that one fine. I think because mm. I've had a lot of them over the years, and that doesn't mean that I don't always handle them very well, because that's normal and human, right? Um, and I am like I'm strong, but I'm I'm a very sensitive person and the self-doubt monster loves to pay me a visit. But I think I was, I sort of, I think I'd had a lot of disappointment before that with a few things. And so I was kind of like, oh, well, like, I don't don't know, I just had some sort of belief that everything would work out. And I moved to Auckland anyway and started working in another job at Sky TV, more behind the scenes. And then, yeah, I wasn't there long and it it did work out. So I I think I learned from that experience, obviously, it's really hard, especially if it doesn't work out in time. But looking back, it's just trusting. And then I started working on my weekends at ZM and there was no pressure on it. I just was sort of like, I love doing this so much. I'm so happy. This is like my happy place. I'm so grateful. Like, this is amazing. I didn't put any pressure on it. And then by doing that and not putting pressure on it, I got the job anyway, so it was, yeah, it was just kind of worked out like that. I think you just have to have a bit of trust sometimes, which is so hard mm-hmm. when you've worked for, you know, I think I'd been in the industry quite a while by then, and you're working so hard for something, and you really want it, and you know you can do it, but it's just timing sometimes, yeah.
0: Yeah, I completely resonate with that, like, when <laughs> when I'm not trying really hard, I do my best work. When I'm hungover on here, they were the oh, best shows, same. you know. Same, I don't you know. Yeah. And you're, not, you're not forcing an outcome. And so, when you get that opportunity to just do something and you enjoy it and you love it, then you're putting out that frequency. And then you're like, I don't know, you start killing it. It's so annoying.
2: I know. It's like often when you're really exhausted as well. I do my yeah. best work. And I'm like, what? I'm like yeah. hungover, burnt out, and I'm like doing the best. But then when I'm good, it's, oh, it's weird. Yeah.
0: yeah. So then you started up your podcast, Self Love Club. Um, yeah. OG potties, because I yeah. mean, let's be honest, there's podcasts everywhere you look at the moment. Um, oh, I
2: know. Everyone has one now. It's definitely different. I think I started, I think it's coming up to like four or five years. I feel like it's nearly five. Yeah. So, I started, yeah, so I was one of the first in New Zealand to start podcasting. Podcasting wasn't new internationally, and I had been listening to podcasts for a while, but most podcasts at that time were radio catch-up ones, which being like you know us little radio nerds, yeah. I would listen to them. But then I just started discovering others. and i don't I don't really think I overthought it that much. I actually started um blogging, and so I started I love writing. and so I started writing. I think that was in two thousand and seventeen. And from that, I realized, I was like, hang on a second, like, I can probably get way more people to listen to this if I do a podcast and I have skills at that. Whereas blogging, like, its I don't know, I just sort of thought about it. I was, you know, people are already on social media. There's just another thing to look at. So I quickly shifted my focus onto setting up a podcast. So I started working on that. I did work on it behind the scenes a bit before I launched it, but yeah, so I launched it in, I think it was 2000, and maybe it was 2018, I don't know, it's all kind of a bit of a blur, but yeah, it was one of the first, and it wow. was really exciting, and within three months, it went number one, ahead of all the major, you know, media, radio shows, and Joe Rogan, which I just honestly <laughs> could not believe, I was like, what, because I didn't really, again, I didn't really overthink it, I just yeah. did it, and that's, yeah. I think over time, it's like, how can you recreate that again, because... You weren't putting pressure on it, and you didn't overthink it. You just did it, you know?
0: Yes, 100%. So did you teach yourself all of the skills to actually create it on your own? Did you just, like, go Google hard?
2: Yeah, so at that time, it was not even, you know, it was, there was some, I did have to teach myself things online because, first of all, like, where do you put a podcast? How does it work? And so, you know, it ends up on Apple or Spotify or whatever, but you need a server. So then I worked all that out, and I, you know, speak to people who knew, Um, but I just, I worked it out. And I guess because I already knew how to edit, record, interview, all those things, it was kind of part of my skill set already.
0: And what kind of like prompted the self-love club? Like was there something going on in your life that you were like, oh, this is what I really need. If I were to listen, this is what I'd want to hear. Is there, Was it something kind of like that?
2: Definitely. I definitely did. And I also, I guess I'm quite good at spotting trends. And I think it was the start of that self-love movement. And I'd been thinking about an idea for a name for a little while, I remember I was on a holiday and sort of thinking about it and like the colors of it all. I'm a real visual person, so I love – I'm a real nerd for creating branding and all that sort of stuff. So I was thinking about it. I had a few different ideas, and I didn't want it to be too trendy in terms of like it would date when people don't say that word anymore. But, um really
0: showing our age. Everybody. I know.
2: <laughs> Trying yeah. to keep down with the Gen Zs, you know, our millennials. Um, but, yeah, the self-love club, I think it was definitely – Something, you know, if you're going to create something, generally you have to be passionate about it because otherwise you are not going to want to put the effort in. And podcasting, let me tell you, I think people mm. are working it out now, it's a lot of work and not a lot of payoff generally, especially, you know, in a lot of ways. So if you're not, and that it, it applies to everything, if you're not passionate about something, you're probably not going to really want to do it that much. So if you're going to start yourself a side hustle, if you're going to girl boss a little too hard and end up having to do it as your job, it might as well be something you actually like. So yes, to answer your question, I guess I wanted to, I guess I spotted there was obviously now a lot of people are doing it, but I wanted something that I definitely could have used growing up, you know, conversations about real life stuff, but doing it in a fun, but also like raw relatable way. So And also I just was having all these ideas, all these people that I wanted to interview. And I loved doing – I was doing a a day show, so you don't really – it's not the style. I loved doing that job, but I was just having all these other ideas for other things and all these people I wanted to speak with. And you know, I was also thinking about, I want to travel for work. How can I do that? And before I started my podcast, I'd already – you know, started doing a bit of travel blogging and stuff overseas. So I already kind of had a taste for that. And I was like, oh, it's really cool to travel and work, you know, go to Australia, use their studios or whatever. So yeah, it was definitely something I wanted. And, but from, but from there, I just really wanted to help people and have conversations about things that I just wasn't seeing people talk about like breakups or we were all going through them, and we're all on Instagram pretending like we're living our best lives when people are, you know, i got stuff going on. I just wanted to have those conversations and I guess build a community and a, and a fun place to do it. But, and also like just help people and empower them by hearing other people's stories. Yeah.
0: So what does self-love look like for you? Yeah. Like, I know it can look very different for everyone, but for you, how would you define it?
2: Yeah. Self-love and, it's it's a tricky one because there's so many things that are self-love. But for me, self-love is just really learning to believe in yourself and learning to accept yourself. You know, I I think when we hear self love, self-love and self-care are very different things I've discovered. Yes. Like self-care, there's so many things you can do and, and we explore that a lot on the podcast and so many things can be self care but self love isn't also this place that you arrive at it's not like you constantly love yourself at 100% it's learning to love yourself through all of the things you're going through you know and just and also i think a lot of it down for me is self worth and that's where that's where it kind of came from for me the more i learned to believe in myself because i'm someone that's i mean we all have self doubt but over growing up i often thought like I was really weird or there was something wrong with me and I really struggled with self-doubt so much but I would find these happy places so it would start with I grew up dancing so I did ballet from when I was about five and so being did on you? stage for me yeah which sounds kind of ironic because being on stage you would think oh, being looked at but yeah. it was just this everything was quiet like my self-doubt went away you know, being bullied, whatever it would be, just that was my happy place. And so I just would feed on those. And I think radio ended up becoming that. So it's kind of weird that we do this thing that's so public <laughs> yeah, in front of people, where <laughs> we might actually be someone that is often riddled with self-doubt and our self-confidence is not always that great. Well, I mean, you look at comedians,
0: you look at comedians, right? The funniest people, but also probably some of the most depressed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just like, yeah, you... You see someone being outwardly confident that doesn't mean anything. Like, they could be the most anxious, nervous people. Like particularly building up to that performance, I, I still, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've got better over the years, but I, you know, working in radio for so long, people would expect that I could just get up in front of a crowd and feel great. God, I get nervous. I get so nervous. I had to um, MC a friend's wedding at the beginning of the year, and I just got in my head so much. And I was like, I should just relax. Like, why can't I relax? And maybe it was because it had been a while and I had a baby and all that kind of stuff. But I was in my head hard and I just wish I could have got out of it. How do you get out of your head when you are in it so bad?
2: Oh, it's it's rough. To be honest with you, recently I've had quite a bad um, patch of it, and but I feel like I'm out the other side now. Um, And I guess I'm someone that's incredibly hard on themselves. And my boyfriend actually made me realize I was being so hard on myself. And it's a tricky one. You just sort of, I think what I've learned is to have self-compassion for yourself and not beat yourself up. It's hard enough when your brain isn't, you know, being your best friend for then you to tell yourself terrible, nasty things and make yourself feel really bad. But that's where your self-care, everything comes into it. So these little things, and that's Sort of, I guess, where it all came from was the more I took better care of myself, the things I was struggling with in my personal life or, you know, whatever it was, everything got better. And I just wanted to share that with other people because I know what it feels like to be very depressed, very anxious. You know, I'd have, I've over, the, since I was a kid, I'd have panic attacks to the point of like vomiting, like terrible anxiety and, you know, going through breakups or whatever and just they're really hard and so I guess with everything I do I just want to help people I know what it feels like to really struggle and you know also put yourself together and always be happy you know but um which is another sick thing with performing we I remember one of my old co-hosts would be like you know I had a pretty traumatic thing happen when I was younger um and I'd be crying off air and then the mics are gone and he just said you're a different person but I think it comes back to that performer thing but yeah everything I do I just want to help other people because I know how tough things can be and also just breaking that stigma I guess which at the same time is pretty scary because you know like now we're having a lot more conversations but sometimes when especially in those early days putting yourself out there um, can be quite scary and you don't I don't know I'm an overthinker too and I'm like I don't want anyone to think, think anything wrong just, with me yeah. but I think I've learned definitely through doing this and as I've grown up that you know you're it's okay and we're and yeah just dropping that like over protection thing which has definitely been a work in progress for me yeah but getting through those tough times you just have to I don't know I've just always dug deep there's something in me that's always dug deep and you know, when I was at broadcasting school, and before then, I had an eating disorder growing up. So, and, and that actually nearly stopped me from going back in my second year. My doctors were like, "We don't want you to go back. You're too sick." Um, and you know, I, I was—I wanted. To, that was when I started to get better because I was like, "No, I am not ruining this dream." And so I dug deep. And you know, I was at broadcasting school in my second year, which you know how intense it was. Yeah. I was putting myself through heaps of therapy, and I did go into recovery. But I was like, there is no way that's taking my dream away from me. So I don't know, I just think there's something in me and you've really got to find that within yourself, that fire in your belly or that thing that really pushes you through. And I'm very lucky that I have that and I just sort of have to dig deep and find it. To be
0: going through an eating disorder at broadcasting school, as you say, like it's so intensive, like it's (laughs) such an intense couple of years. Did you have that support network around you? Did everyone know what you were going through?
2: No, no one knew that I had an, no one knew that I had, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think now we talk about these things a lot more, but there's a lot of shame and it it makes you very sick. Um, But no, no one around me knew apart from maybe my family. But even then, I don't even think I really spoke to my dad about it. Like I was just so ashamed and none of my friends, I think some of my flatmates kind of worked it out, but no, no, absolutely not. I don't even think I had the guts to even publicly say I had one until 10 years after I'd recovered Oh um, there was so much shame in that, but anyone who's gone through any disordered eating, it really messes with your head, and I just worked really hard to get out of there. I mean, you'd think everyone's different, but like I would think that if I ate a biscuit, I was gonna gain 10 kilos. Like it just messes with you and, yeah, it's really, really awful. But yeah, I'm quite proud of myself to get through my through a course like that when I actually was quite sick. Um, oh, that's
0: incredible. But God, that yeah. must have been hard. I never had any idea about that. That must have like because you were going through that and obviously you kinda of had to keep going. Do you feel like you sort of suppressed it and then it popped up and it reared its head more down the track? But you were still I suppose you were secretly going to therapy, weren't you? Well not secretly, but yeah. You were doing...
2: I I guess I just did the work. I just didn't ever speak about it because I was just so embarrassed and I thought that I don't know, it was like a something really bad to be ashamed of but I've I guess I've learned and yeah I did get myself better and from there you know I started my career and I wasn't I wasn't sick anymore and so um yeah I've I've stayed well I definitely there's a couple of points where it was tricky when I went through a breakup because often like it becomes a coping mechanism so Mm. yeah I don't know I just I, I started it when I was a kid so it just was part of it and then I think my career just sort of I I managed to work through it and then I had a new thing to focus on but yeah
0: that's heavy congratulations for like getting to where you are and obviously accepting yourself I think acceptance you said compassion's a big word but acceptance Mm. of all of our flaws not that they are flaws but everything that we may deem to be a flaw like well, like accepting yourself and loving yourself yeah, is so important yeah. and powerful.
2: Yeah, it's just showing up for yourself like yeah. self-love isn't being perfect and you know, we all have aspirations and places we want to get to and things we want to achieve but I think self-love really is just taking care of yourself along the way and I, I like to think of I heard someone say, I think it was Dr Libby years back, I went to one of her things and she really helped me with my relationship with food and and she's amazing yeah it just really helped me think about nourishing my body rather than punishing my body and think of yourself like take care of yourself like you would a small child like you would with charlie treat yourself like that if you can strip it back and keep it really simple if you're going through a tough time are you feeding yourself are you you know are you doing nice things for yourself just those nurturing nourishing things try think of yourself like that and that's really helpful um yeah it's just like showing yourself some love and care
0: well, yeah, like visualising yourself as a the child. They do a lot of that kind of inner child work yeah, um, and therapy and stuff. But, like, being, okay, this is seven-year-old Polly. Like, would you treat her like this? Mm. Um, you were talking about breakups and how often, you know, <laughs> you, you wanted to hear people talking about the breakups and how to get through. What is your number one piece of advice? To someone going through a breakup, feeling like they're worthless feeling like their heart's never going to mend, what advice would you give them?
2: Oh, I know, and I've focused a lot on this in my work, and I even wrote a breakup guide, which you can listen to and read, but I think there's so there's a step, I'll I, I guide you through the steps, but the number one thing to know is that you are going to get through this, and it feels awful now, I honestly, I think everyone struggles with breakups, but I would always find them so awful, and so hard, and that'd make me very emotional and just bring all the stuff out and just know that you're going to get better. And another thing is to think of perspective, like you're going through the worst of it now and each day you go through it, you're making it through the worst of it. And then it's only going to get better from there. But I so know what it feels like when you're in the thick of it. It's honestly awful. It's just so, and uh, also don't uh, a no contact rule is very important. Yeah, I can vouch for that. You need to, you don't have to block them, but if it means not seeing what they're up to, because we're all snoops and we're all nosy and we'll all go check, and if that's going to cause you pain, it's just not worth it. And, you know, to get that dopamine hit and then take it away, it's just going to make you feel even lower than you already did. So no contact, they say, for 60 days. I say longer. Really? Honestly, you need to not talk to that person because you're not not going to heal. And I understand for some people, if you have children with them or whatever situation, that may not be possible. But if you can, I mean, first of all, move towns, move cities, get completely away.
0: You know. <laughs> so do you think change your you identity?
2: Become, you know. Do you think you can stay
0: friends with your ex straight after? Do you think it's possible?
2: Um, I I know it. It's, okay. I would say no. That's just my experience. Okay. I know that some people can, but you just need to give it a bit of uh, space because if you do want to have a friendship in time with that person, that's possible. But at that moment, if you're very heartbroken and, yeah, it's probably just going to prolong it. You're just going to yep. prolong the hurt. You're probably going to have some, you know, make up sex and it's all you no know, breakup sex, so not make up sex. Mate, and it's well, just going to be breakup then make up. Yeah, it's going to be on and on. <laughs> it's just not good for you. And it it might seem like it's a good idea, but honestly, no. And just yeah, rally around your friends and. And just do all the things that make you feel really good. I remember going through a breakup and then the next day doing a photo shoot for Zidium and being like, "Yeah, like all oh, that's happy." Good.
0: See, I would run and run and run after a breakup, and I'd play like the most empowering songs. Yeah, and I just I didn't love it. And I felt so hot. Yeah. Then, <laughs> but like, yeah, you do different things. Have you done? Have you ever done anything really outrageous as a reaction
2: to a breakup? Mm, like, do you mean like a little bit crazy? yeah no, I don't think so more just like um yeah no I just generally if you can I would always say book a trip go on a holiday also yeah, like you could just more. come back like I know that's not always doable but if you can just remove yourself from the situation and just give yourself some joy and and yeah and to be honest like I honestly breakups are awful but some really good things can come from them I started the self-love club after a breakup you know stop focusing on Needing to have someone or wanting, you know, just and then what do you want to do? Some really beautiful things can be born out of that time, you know. um, If you just you need
0: to be complete, you need to be complete before someone else can complete you. Yeah, Uh, I hate. I know that's a real cliche saying (laughs) that people hate. It's like, but you have to, you have to be okay on your own. I think before you can find someone.
2: Yeah, you do, and think of it as an addition to your life. You know, create a cool life yourself and do the things you want to do if you want to go traveling you don't need a boyfriend to go travel go on a like a tour or with friends or on your own you know that's all things I did and because why should you miss out just because you don't have a boyfriend life doesn't start when you have a relationship
0: it lets you discover it lets you rediscover parts of yourself that you've probably not really tapped into in that relationship I reckon that's the exciting part you're like oh that's right I love this and I didn't do that then and life can be more exciting um what are your thoughts (laughs) on I'm diving into dating apps Ooh. straight after a breakup. Ooh.
2: Well, Ooh. it depends, but it's a, it's a wild world out there. So good luck to you. It's <laughs> to
0: the wild honestly, the I haven't been on in years. I can't imagine oh, what it's, it's like now with the world of TikTok. I mean,
2: it's been a couple of years since I've dabbled as well now. But, oh, it's, you know, slim pickings. not much to choose from. It's like old oh, mate with his fish. Oh, I don't know. What else have we got here? Oh, God, I don't know.
0: It's like you go on for that kind of, like, kick. You just need that little bit of affirmation that you still got it, and then you're like, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah,
2: it depends. Like, Log out. I never used to take them seriously, and, I, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm too busy for this, carry on. And then now i come back on, and three weeks later I'd maybe message back. And, I don't know, I met my boyfriend on Bumble, so I have to sort of –
0: Okay, I, I was going to say sort of, there are success stories. Yeah,
2: there definitely are, and I like do partnerships with Bumble, and I, I do, I do actually think they can be good, but it just depends how you use them and like what you're actually wanting, and and not always, not everyone's always wanting what you're wanting, and you don't yeah. know that till maybe, you know, you end up in a situationship and someone who told you they want to be in a relationship all of a sudden doesn't want to be. <sighs> but no, it's um real life experience. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> i used to get so frustrated i'd be like what like you said you were the one chasing me like ah. but anyway i know it's it's
0: very it's very complex it's a very interesting time to be dating you were single for quite some time before you met your partner i was how long were you single
2: um well i'd been in a i think it was i'd been in a long-term relationship when in my 20s for about four or five years and we owned a house together so you know i thought that was going to be my life and um, you know, I wasn't ready to have kids in my twenties. I sort of, that, that was sort of like the, you know, do, and I just, I was like, I was 24, 25. I always, I know I want to be a mom, but I just wasn't ready to then. I just still wanted to, you know, achieve some more things and live my life. Um, but I, I mean, I definitely dated people and I, I was very private. So I'd uh, maybe have like a date someone for maybe, I think there was one person for nearly a year, or a couple here and there, but I'm just like, I don't know, I was just a psycho real protective because I think that was another thing. And I know it's me being an overthinker and I've, I'm definitely less like that now, but also when you're on radio at 19 and yes, it's not like big time, like nationwide, but people were really nosy about my relationship. So it made me mm. a little bit protective, um, mm. but yeah. Good on you. Yeah.
0: Put it a put wall up yeah. if that's what you need.
2: But I think also I was probably like a bit of a like, just, it was a protection mechanism, just being quite private. Also, you don't have to like tell everyone everything. Um, and they're all stories, which I can tell now. Um, and I don't like to shit on anyone, you know, I don't like to bad mouth people, even though if they treat you, you know, treat you badly or whatever. But yeah, no, I think it had been I think it was like close to seven years without like with not being in a like I wouldn't like I wouldn't say a proper long term relationship, you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, there was like people for seven months or a year or whatever, but I wouldn't class them full time being. Well, not what I have now. Like it's just different, and yeah, just a secure attachment type. No more avoidance, you know. Which I learned a lot about attachment types um, through therapy because I was like, why do I keep picking people that are avoided? And you know, like yeah, it was a, it was pretty interesting learning. And
0: so, what's your current partner?
2: He's secure. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Okay. I don't know much about them. Yeah. So I look, I've, heard, I've heard the terms thrown around. Can you do a quick Yeah, here?
2: so basically there's attachment type theory and it's through psychology and, and they say it's to do with how you attach to your parents growing up, which is interesting because my relationship with my parents is secure, but I have an anxious avoidant type. So anxious avoidant types generally are like a moth to a flame to an avoidant and, and vice versa. So you end up in these relationships where you're anxiously attached and the person's like not giving you what you need and run like you know running away but then at times I mean I definitely would pick up avoidant tendencies as well but there's yeah so avoidant and secure and so yeah secure there most people are secure but they're just hard to find because they're all usually locked down in a relationship you know
0: yeah I think BJ will be secure I wonder if I've been a bit avoidant
2: maybe i don't know i don't know yeah. i'd be interested. yeah it is quite interesting know.
0: is there like a little a, quiz there is a
2: quiz i'll have to send you the link okay, cool. yeah i, I learned quiz. about it in therapy because i remember after another breakup i was just like i'm fucking sick of this like why does this keep <laughs> happening to me like i'm it is hard especially with you know like even when i was i think i met my boyfriend when i was 32 but yeah. even when you're in your early 30s people start shaming you and especially with women i i found it a lot you know i'd be like or you don't have any children yet and people would freak out mm. for you and it's just – I, yeah, it's really – I was going
0: to talk to you about that actually. Yeah. Like do you feel dictated by society's expectations? Um, do you feel that pressure?
2: Oh, yeah. I think it's it's also you get shamed and I think from having lived experience of being, you know, a single woman in my late 20s, early 30s, definitely, you know, and, and I – it's just rude. It's really rude, and you have no idea what's on, going- And so, in the end, I actually worked out because it's quite a tricky one to answer back to someone because you you're like that's so rude, but you you feel so shamed, almost silenced, because you're not living up. I think I'm in mean, any society, but particularly New Zealand and Australia. You know, you meet someone, you settle down, and from being single, like just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that you're really happy. In fact, a lot of these people that are in relationships have just settled. So I don't think there's any shame in not settling. And I certainly didn't, you know, like you don't need to settle. You've got one life, so you might as well be happy and live a happy life. So yeah, I sort of got, it it, it opens your eyes up to people that are Think they're successful by societal standards, but they're miserable in their relationships. But they treat you like you're weird. So, no, yeah. I definitely did. And I think now because I'm 34. And I don't feel 34. Like, I still feel like I'm in my 20s or whatever. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I feel like
0: I'll feel like 27 forever. Like, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, still I feel forget 24. how old I am. You know, usually no. I have to – I remember 34 for some reason, but usually um, I have to – yeah, anyway. But no – Work out what, what your age is. Yeah, I know. You forget. Yeah. But now I am getting to that. And I do want to have kids, and that is something we will be doing soon. Um, but, yeah, you do, I think, because they, you know, even get pressure from your doctors and stuff. And it's the facts that you were fertility does drop drastically when you're 35. It doesn't mean that you can't have children. It's just that you need to start thinking about it. So yeah, I thought about that recently. I was, it's, I thought, you know, it's so unfair that as women, we have to we have that clock. Yeah. It's like, and, and, you know, everyone's different and everyone's experience is valid. And so whether you're someone who really wants to have children and I've always wanted to have them. I just haven't been in a hurry, and now I'm getting to that. I'm just like, push it out, push it out, push it out. And then now I do want to have them, but it's just, yeah. And then there's other people that are struggling. All of a sudden
0: you're kind of left with this window. So unfair.
2: well, why do I have to run? Well,
0: maybe I'm not quite ready, but, like, you feel this premature sense of rushing and, like, time's running out. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's rough, man. It's it's so rough.
2: How did you find it? Like, Um, well,
0: I... Like obviously I met BJ when I was about, so was 27? It was at the end of 2017, I was 27. And so we obviously started dating, we were doing long distance and then... Like I knew it was gonna be serious for a long time. Like I you know, you, you just, know you just yeah. We just knew. We just knew another annoying saying. Some people are like, you don't just know, but I did just know. Um, and I probably always wanted to have kids, but I didn't but I was also like juggling this career and i just moved to Australia and so you know, it, it was kind of like in my head and I was like, yeah, down the track, and then I don't know, COVID happened and then everything just kind of like well, I was like, well I do want to have fun, well I do want to have kids eventually. And it just kind of happened. But, you know, I could easily be where you are at, at 34. You know, it's, I don't know, things can just flip really quick. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, I now have a house and I've got a fiancé and I've got a baby. But like, What? It's it's wild, yeah. Um, but I certainly did feel the pressure, you know. I did I did feel it ticking away at the back of my head, mm. and it's not a nice feeling. No. I don't like being rushed.
2: No, neither. I want to do things when I want to do them. Yeah, exactly.
0: When you met your new partner, how did you know that you guys were in for the long haul?
2: That's an interesting one, and I, I reflected on this recently with one of my really good friends who's dating and through the hellfire that that is and sort of, you yeah. know, talking her through it, but – because I think I'd in the past gone for people that maybe weren't always secure, which sounds such a weird, I'm, I swear yeah, I'm not like, I'm, really I'm, not, I'm not psychoanalyzing people, but I had to learn because, you know, I was afraid that I was never going to meet someone and never going to have kids and that really would upset me, you know, but so I had to learn a few things to to spot because, you know, I had the pattern that I wanted to break. So I think I, when I was younger and it took me a really long time to work it out, the spark isn't always the spark like it's depending on how you are it can often be your you know anxiety your anxiously attached type getting activated and so you know I think when I was younger I used to like people that treat it's so sick but I used to like people that treated me badly sometimes because it would keep me guessing and and yeah. it would be exciting yeah. and even though it was awful and honestly it put myself through some terrible times but uh yeah so
0: I think it's like addictive eh. Yeah. It's like you feel like you're not doing it right unless you're second-guessing guessing yourself. Yeah. it's like this game. Yeah. I think
2: it's quite common. The more I've spoken about it, it's it's a thing for a lot of us. But I obviously got over that and, you know. So with him, it was interesting because I remember saying to my sister, I was like, oh, he wants to hang out with me all the time. And he's like, after we have a date, he wants to have another one. And she's she just goes to me, oh, get over yourself, Belle. Like, oh, you poor thing. He wants to hang out with you. And I'm like, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah. He's not, you know, he's not being hot and cold. He's not being, you know, funny with you. This is actually really good. So, I don't know. We just spent. We went on a lot of dates and we spent a lot of time together. We really got to know each other. Um, I was probably a little bit cautious. I don't know. I just sort of. I like to get to know people, but you know, you you can often be protective with your heart. So we spent a lot of time together, and I think by only a few dates in, I just had a feeling. that this was this was it and yeah we've we lived together we've been together two years over two years now and yeah it's like things can happen so if you're someone that's listening and you're like oh you know however old you are uh it can happen you just you know it's it's so tricky because I remember being like that and thinking but when you know like but at the same time of I'm okay on my own, you know, but then at the same time, <laughs> yeah. when is it going to happen? a
1: strong independent woman. Yeah,
2: but I don't need a man, but but when am I going to yeah. meet one? Like, what's my yeah, wedding yeah, dress yeah. going to look like? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and was he your type?
2: I don't know if he is, but, like, he is, um, obviously. you have a type? Mm, I think I've changed types a bit, but my – it's funny because my family will say, no, your serious boyfriends all – sometimes – well, not all, but sometimes they'll have a similar thread, which I don't know, but – um he's just really kind. He's like, for me, I think you're probably the same being like making me laugh is so important. Obviously being, you know, consistent and all the other things and kind, but he makes me laugh every day. And he's just a really good teammate and someone that, you know, will be an amazing dad and just, yeah, I think you, I mean, you've got to think carefully about these things. And I, maybe I overthink it all, but I've just had more time to think about it than maybe some people that you know, you're with someone young and then that's just what you do. I could have done that. I could have had that life. I could have had like kids that are probably 10 by now, but I didn't choose that. And so I think when you have more time to choose you, you realize like, I'm not going to settle for just anybody. And you can pick someone that treats you well and, and or what you deserve, you know?
0: Well, that's so beautiful. I think I'm going to have to wrap up there because that was a a really nice way to finish. And it's just so beautiful to see the transformation that you've been on over the last few years working this out giving yourself all the love and and really being at peace with yourself it's really cool to see
2: yeah no definitely and just not putting that pressure on yourself you know which I still do and even last week my boyfriend had to say to me you're being really hard on yourself you know you're you're wanting you know you're wanting to, to do this and this and this and and you can't do everything at peak performance level all the time.
0: Oh, you can't. You can't have everything at once. You can have everything, I think, but not all at the same time.
2: And that doesn't mean you're failing either. Because I think you'll relate to this when your career has been on a trajectory in a certain industry or whatever, and then you're doing your own thing or however that is. I didn't really think of it that that often, but you know, I go through patches of thinking that you've gone up, 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 and then you feel like you're failing or I've, I've, I've had really negative self-talk recently. Like I'm in my flop era. Like I'm a failure. Oh my God. And I've not really spoken about it, but I'm come out the other side now. I'm like, no, you're not. It's, and my boyfriend explained it to me. Like success isn't always like that. Like you might think right now you're like this doing your own work because you don't have some title in your industry or whatever, but it's still maybe like that, or maybe it's like that. And yeah even having children it's still success you have to it's back to the failing you have to fail as well yeah. you have
0: to fail to be successful the most successful people in the world fail over and over again and it's it's not about the falling down it's about the getting back up which is cliche amongst cliche that I've but really so dropped on this but but it's about getting back up again and and then like I always think that you kind of I think I've used this analogy before as well but it's like Life is like a series of levels in a video game, right? Like, So you get to the end of that level and you feel like you're killing it. But then, boom, you're on level two. And it's like, you're down here again. And you're like, well, shit, I've just gone backwards. But you haven't. You're actually making that momentum over time. But you just don't see it because you're actually – do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, I totally get it. <laughs> I I, I, no, I totally understand. And you, yeah. and it's a real mind F to go through. Yeah. Because, yeah, you think and you question you're everything. failing. Yeah, well, and, why did
0: I not just keep doing that? Because I was doing that well. But you get to a point where you don't grow anymore when you're comfortable.
2: And also just remember, like, for you and for anyone – and for me, just because you don't do so, just because you stopped doing it for now doesn't mean that it stopped forever, and that's a piece of advice I got given when I left, you know, working full-time in, in radio. I still work in it, and, you know, you can, you can be multifaceted. I came into this industry wanting to do heaps of stuff, and I think people in general get pigeonholed, like, you're this girl, you do this, and you can do all the things you want to do, but don't put pressure on yourself to do it all, and also, like you say, like just because you left that job, which is incredibly brave of you, and people might not understand, but that was right for you, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you can't have that ever again. You're gonna have like whatever, oh whatever God. you want. Yeah,
0: the conversations you will. are endless. Like, oh, so you just you just left. So, what does this mean? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I was prioritizing myself and I was looking after myself in that moment. And it's quite bloody daunting when you look down the barrel of, have, have I screwed my career? Maybe I have. But I made the right decision in that moment for me. Um, and that's and it. And
2: as an outsider looking on and someone who's in the industry, I don't think you've screwed your career. You just took, you know what I mean? Like we the have voices
0: that you hear. Yes, I know. Ego, because it's such an ego-driven uh, industry and you think, because oh, initially when I made the decision, I was like, nah, I'm going to be fine. And then, then the voices in your head – come back in going, well, hang on, you're never going to earn this money again. What did you do? You silly goose. Yeah. um,
2: But that's brave, Polly. Like that's really brave. (laughs) And most people don't do that. Most people just stay comfortable and, Mm. and think, you know, and I totally understand because it's, you know, it might not seem logical to others. And when you're also, you know, at the beginning, like you say, you were confident that you knew it was right for you. You just have to hang on to that. The doubts are going to come up. Yeah. Uh, This is something I've really learned because I struggle with the self-doubt monster a lot, but you just have to keep going. And, you know, and and also when you're doing something like that, I had it too when, you know, taking podcasting more full time, which Mm. at the time was, you know, people people would be like, what? What you, but now, but now everyone wants to and sees how um how great it is and how uh, it's an incredible medium that people are actually listening to. But if you're at the fo- like I was at the forefront of that and at the start of it, people sort of you do hear and I you know I'd be like oh no, there's like opportunities in Australia, do this, do that, and you sort of you do listen to them because they know what they're doing and they're high up in the industry or whatever, and you, it is hard to block out that noise. But
0: you have to trust your gut because there's obviously something which is overriding all of that, right, and that's your intuition and it's saying, na, 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 Belle, I know best for you. you got to cut out that noise.
2: Yeah, and you can, yeah, if you want to keep doing whatever you want to do, you can do it on the side. You know, you don't have to do one thing. I think that's something I've learned is you can do lots of little things, but just don't overload yourself because that's when a, oh, I, oh I've been sucker for that and then you just get burnt out and just, it's awful.
0: <laughs> it really is. And you kind of commit ahead of time and then the time yeah. comes and you're like, oh, what the
2: fuck have I done? <laughs> Anyway,
0: oh, it has been so nice to talk to a like-minded person, Belle. Um, It is awesome to see what you're doing. I'm so happy that you're happy. Even though we get these little self-doubts creeping in, they always come. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be healed for life, right? it's, It's a constant... I hate the word journey. It's a constant
2: But it is, though, process. because you'll go, you know, you'll be up here with your confidence in what you're doing. And then recently I've had a dip and I've yeah. come out it now. But from, I know, even though it's awful, once you come back out, I oh, just you come, feel like. I thrive on it. I thrive. It. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately, it's probably not unfortunately, but I do. I've had quite a few docs and I, I always come out.
0: Yeah, because so, when you come out, you're like, oh, man, I am unstoppable.
2: Yeah. So, just keep hanging on to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good.
0: Oh, well, Belle, thank you so much for joining me. The Self Love Club podcast. uh, If anyone's listening, go check it out. Go get some of that affirmation. Go get some of that good, juicy love for yourself. I'm so bad at wrapping up. I always do this, it gets really awkward. But, Belle, you're a legend. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Left it out (laughs) again. We will.
0: Well, that was my chat with Val Crawford and she's of course the host of the self-love club podcast. If you want to go have a listen, I have linked her show in my show description uh, on the podcast, wherever you listen. So go check her out and uh, let me know your thoughts on the episode. I will be back with another one next week.
1: See ya. Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better. Well,